What's up, Team Egos, and welcome to Optimized, the show helping you optimize your mind, body, and spirit through tea. My name is Vince Lapalusa, and I am your host and guide on this tea journey. Specifically, how we are going to optimize our minds, bodies, and spirits with tea is by digging into four topics and how tea can influence them. Those four are education, mindfulness practices, movement, and community. So tune in to learn how you can optimize your life today. Today, I had the honor of hosting Natty Boss, a holistic performance coach for athletes. In this conversation, we dive deep into what it means to master. That is, not just master skills, but also master yourself. And specifically, we look at how martial arts and tea allows us to do this. Natty is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu and taekwondo black belt, and her mission is to create empowered athletes through teaching a preventative, holistic approach to optimizing performance and wellness that encompasses mind, body, and spirit. Kind of sounds familiar. Tune in to learn how to master your mind, body, and spirit on this episode of Optimized. Natty Boss, welcome to Optimized. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's um, I've been... Yeah, I've been thinking about about you. It's been a little bit since I was actually honored to be on your podcast, but I've been thinking I've seen some really awesome things with your immersion retreat and um, yeah, just really, really want to dive into just the world of jujitsu, the world of tea from your perspective and just life, like where, where you're going. So I guess before we dive into some of those things, I am curious because I don't think I know much about your history with jujitsu, like you're obviously a black belt at this point, but I don't know what led to this point. So can you just elaborate yes. on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started jiu-jitsu in 2010. Previous to that, I've been a lifelong athlete in multiple disciplines and sports. Um, and Taekwondo was the other martial art where I have a black belt in as well. And basically, I after I got my black belt in Taekwondo, I kind of wanted to be a beginner again. Um, as it often happens in jujitsu too, as you can maybe see, it's like purple, even blue belts nowadays. But as you start to get higher in the ranks, you start to take on more of like a teaching role. And in Taekwondo, it's like assumed that that's your role. So I noticed that my training was a little bit less because I took on more of like this coaching and teaching role. And it was fun. And I really loved having that leadership role. But I really wanted to kind of like do something for me again and kind of be new in a sport. So long story short is I looked up capoeira actually um when i lived in philly at the time and there was only one gym that had it and the reason why is because i love dancing i'm just totally an intuitive dancer like i just literally love to jam um and then at taekwondo there's in capoeira kind of like a mix it kind of was a in my eyes like a mix between dance and capoeira uh, and taekwondo Mm. so i was like oh capoeira sounds really cool um So I reached out to the gym for capoeira, and then they told me that their capoeira team, which is different than their jiu-jitsu team, basically left a month ago. So they don't have capoeira anymore, and they were the only gym that did. So they just basically pitched to me jiu-jitsu, and they were like, well, you can come in and try jiu-jitsu, and I never heard of it. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And then I fell immediately in love with it. 
I definitely came in with an ego. I talk about this a lot. Like I came in with an ego because it was a high level competitor to the national level at Taekwondo. Yeah. Always won gold medals. Um, you know, the Olympics was my dream in Taekwondo, but due to my young age, I needed parental consent to travel basically. Mm. And my parents didn't really know how good I was. Um, they didn't really come to a lot of competitions or anything. So they didn't really know. And they were very much in the older mindset of like, go to school, get a career and finish out your life. Um, whereas like for me, I was like, this is literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, but being 16, you know, they weren't really trusting of that path. So I didn't really have that support because I needed the parental consent. I needed the financial support to be able to travel. So that dream kind of got washed away, mm. which also kind of dampened my like, not love for Taekwondo because I absolutely love it. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have it, but I just kind of lost my mojo, if you will, um, because it was like something I was building up to and then it kind of got deflated. So I got into jujitsu and I fell in love immediately. Um, I just remember my first class when we were training just getting submitted all over the place by higher ranks. Yeah. And it was really eye-opening to me because somebody who thought that she knew a lot of self-defense being in a martial art, I realized I know jack crap when it com comes to being on the ground and like real life self-defense. Like, and that was like scary in a sense because I was like, I'm an educated person in this and I can't even imagine the bystander who has zero experience, you know? So it was something that really motivated me. And the way my personality works is even if there's lots of failure with it and I have to struggle through it, like if I commit to something, I'm committed to mastering it. Hmm. So that's kind of my mindset. As soon as I joined jujitsu and I got submitted, I was like, sign me up immediately. Um, I was just about to start college. So I couldn't commit like long term. So I committed for the summer for three months and I went literally two days, like every single day, tried to master Obviously, I wasn't mastering it at that point, but I was trying to just get as much as I possibly could in. And I was just committed in that moment to like, I'm going to master this sport. Like, this is my next mission and my next focus. And so that kind of led me to the beginning journey of jujitsu in 2010. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing. That's, uh, that's really cool. And from my perspective, I feel like I'm the opposite where it's like the striking. I'm a total noob total beginner when it comes to that like i've grappled like i guess quote unquote my whole life but in so it's just like the the striking aspect to me is i that's that's like my when i think of like my next step i'm like yeah i know i need to do the the, the striking um to really become the quote unquote beginner but that's that's really cool i have a question in regards to you said like the mastery piece and i'm curious just from your perspective what does mastery look like well, now that I'm in martial art, or in jujitsu and I'm a black belt, I realize that mastery is an ongoing process. It's not a final process. Um, whereas the way Taekwondo works is like you can master the technique. Um, and it, there's not much with jujitsu. There's so much like reactionary based off the other person. And so the techniques can constantly evolve and shift and change. And that is kind of like the mastery for me is like precision and timing. And of course, understanding technique and being able to apply those techniques. But it's also with jujitsu, it's really a vehicle for personal development. So 
there's also like a self-mastery. So mastering your emotions, mastering your breath, mastering your mind. Mm. And so it kind of goes paralleled. Like now that I'm a black belt, like I understand mastery a little bit more and I have a different perspective of what I initially thought mastery was. It was like, I'm just going to perfect all the techniques and get a black belt. What I realized now as I'm a black belt is I'm actually a white belt again. And now I'm just like, I really believe I just now have the foundations to really unlock like my fullest potential because now I understand all the concepts, all the angles, um, you know, all the techniques and guards and things like that. And now it's about like precision and timing and thinking two steps ahead of the opponent. Um, so for me, that's kind of like mastery in the sport. And part of mastery is being open to constantly evolving and changing and adapting. That's what I really feel like is a piece of mastery is if you're open to that, that's the only way you can continually master something. If you feel that you know it all, you're actually not going to master it. You're going to kind of stifle your growth. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what's your, this is related, not just a complete left turn, but what is your experience with tea and, and this consuming tea and, and the whole tea process? Yeah. So I didn't really grow up with a lot of tea. My mom actually drank a lot of tea, but I would like to classify hers as sugar with a side of tea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But my first introduction to tea was in college and it was definitely like green tea. Um, Just learning about the antioxidant properties. That was something that I really enjoyed. I found that it gave me like a clear focus, um, but not like the jitters. Um, I didn't drink that much coffee in college. Um, So I did turn to green tea more and I just like really enjoyed it. Now I do drink coffee. However, tea for me is definitely more of recovery. It's more of nighttime. That's how I generally utilize it. I love it to like, I don't drink caffeinated tea. Um, I stick to one cup of coffee in the morning. um, And that kind of just sets a tone after I drink some water. And then tea is usually something herbal that I like that I like to unwind with for the rest of the night and it really helps promote just deeper sleep. In my opinion, like I could just really feel my body, like calm down my nervous system, regulate, and just kind of get in, in that mindset of relaxation, mm-hmm. which helps promote the deeper sleep. So my favorite teas are definitely like chamomile. I like, like anything that's like a lemon herbal, um, I'll even experiment. There was like a lavender blueberry. So I like those types that are kind of mild, mm-hmm. One tea I can never get behind and I always try. Actually, there's two. Ruboys. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not really into, like, the flowery teas. Okay. I I like the just mild teas. And then the other one is, like, anything with licorice. But I don't like licorice in general. So, like, that licorice-y taste. Yeah. Um, so, I generally keep it really mild. As far as what I put in it, I actually don't put anything in it. Sometimes, maybe I'll put a hint of honey or uh, more like agave. Um, but I generally just like it to be water. I think it's a great way to also hydrate. It's a great way to get extra water in. Yeah. Um, so I try to really make sure it's not caffeinated so that I can get that extra hydration and then also add that extra benefit for sleep and recovery and anti-inflammation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like I said, I feel like there is as you were talking about the, the mastery of jujitsu and of, of martial arts in general, um, a lot of what I'm learning on my tea journey is a mastery of, of teas and a mastery of understanding how to work with these teas exactly like you're talking about. 
with like, okay, these are optimal for, for sleep. I feel like they're helping my recovery or these are energizing, um, whether that be obviously coffee for some people, maybe a yerba mate, maybe a green tea, that, that focus, um, that non-jitteriness. There's, it's such a, I, I see the world of tea as the world of martial arts. It's like, when you say martial arts, that can mean anything from jujitsu, judo, taekwondo, karate to like, and that's four of thousands, probably different yeah. styles of martial arts. Same with tea. There's this this relation of you have tea. Well, what kind of tea are they? Caffeinated, non-caffeinated? Are they green, white, oolong, puers? You can just go go on like that. And so there's this mastery that of learning how to work with these teas, and I think that that's super cool. So. From your perspective, I mean, there's, you've, you've incorporated, it sounds like you have incorporated tea into these retreats. And I did want to jump into, into the um, performance immersion retreat. Um, so I guess maybe before we talk about the tea and relating it to, to this retreat, what is the performance immersion retreat for, for anyone listening? Yeah. So the Performance Immersion Retreat is a retreat that my team and I hosted. Um, we have a fourth one next year, so we just finished our third one. Um, but the initial intention was to have a small exclusive group of those who've graduated from our coaching programs to bring them together in live time to really reinforce not only just to develop the connections and meet each other in real life because everything's online nowadays, to really develop that like humanness. Um, but really to reinforce the principles of the performance blueprint and the wheel of performance, which is everything that we talk about, which basically it's a three-day weekend that integrates the wheel of performance. So it's nutrition, mindset, self-care, recovery, sleep, and um, yeah, that's all of them. And training. And training, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> so, so we're kind of the format of the retreat is showing people how you can integrate all of those things. So we'll have recovery workshops and practices. We do mindset and journaling. We do self-care through breath work and other things. And we have different themes every year as well that we cater the journaling around. Mm. Obviously there's lots of training and judo and nogi and jujitsu sessions. And, um, you know, obviously for sleep, sleep is sleep. Like, but one of our intentions is to make sure that the way that our schedule is that people can get a solid seven to nine hours of sleep, which is the recommendation. And then we add those teas in their swag bags that they get just as another promotion of like, and I always do like herbal non-caffeinated tea. Mm -hmm. Um, cause part of being like a performance coach is, you know, one of the things I study is like caffeine and, you know, caffeine serves a purpose, but once it hits a certain point of day, you want, really want to taper that so it doesn't affect your sleep and your circadian rhythm and everything like that. So we give them like these herbal teas just to kind of reinforce that concept of like, this is something you can have before bed to start unwinding and to just kind of like regulate yourself and have some warm beverage that can help promote deeper sleep as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, I don't know. There's, there's something about like settling down at night with a warm cup of, of even just like water sometimes like even if like you're not craving tea like or if i'm fasting and doing stuff like that a warm cup of water even just is like so soothing at night and and just really can take you into an, a nice sleep um you sound like very you're very knowledgeable about obviously martial arts and everything but even just like outside of that the nutrition like the the self-care and stuff like where do you feel like you've gained all of this knowledge and understanding 
Yeah. So a lot of my nutrition knowledge has come from my training and background as a registered dietitian and as part of being a registered dietitian, which is different than a nutritionist as far as the requirements and all of the the training that we have and our certifications um, that are very vigorous, we have um, continuing education that we have to do to upkeep our registration. And so constantly reading, and we get to pick whatever we want based on what we want to focus on. So just that is what constantly gives me that new information, the newest research around things and evidence-based material. Um, But also... Everything else, I would say books are a huge thing too, like just reading books of all different kinds, different experts, different athletes, even who are elite in their fields. Um, I'm definitely more of a non-fictional reader. So I just love to read more educational content that is around the wheelhouse of everything that I do. Um, and even like one offshoots, but just anything to constantly give me new information and different perspectives um, really helps me just see things more wholly. But the, the biggest value that I feel I have to offer is just through my lived experience. And this is something that I really like talk about a lot because it's one thing to have knowledge, but if you haven't lived through the actual experiences, it's really hard to speak from that from an embodied place mm. because it's really just like regurgitating information that you read. Mm-hmm. But if you don't actually integrate and embody, I feel that other people can feel that because it's, you know, you can literally Google anything and then regurgitate it to somebody else, but it's like having that lived experiences. So things like recovery, like I've been on literally every side of the coin of overtraining, of under eating, of eating disorders, of being addicted to stimulants. Um, you know, I was addicted to Adderall in college. Mm. Um, and that's something that I talk about. And those were more trauma related responses and things like that. But just like going through all those processes really, I think you really have to have like a growth mindset and you have to know that like you have a bigger mission because it's really easy to get stuck in those places and just stay there. But for me, I'm always, I've always been somebody who's committed to like evolution and growth and healing. And so when I noticed myself in those stuck spots, I knew always that there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And it was up to me as part of my own human responsibility to get out of it. So I would just work through trial and error for everything to just kind of get on the other side of it. And then through all of that trial and error, it gave me the wisdom. It gave me the wisdom that I speak from because, and that is more valuable to me than anything that I read. And now oftentimes when I'm reading books, I can kind of see what people are saying in the books and what they're writing. But like, I have like this firsthand visceral experience with the things and I can understand it because it's like something that I've been through or that I've understood on a fundamental level. So when it comes to, and this is a piece of feedback I get a lot is just having that like wisdom. And it's like the only way that the wisdom piece, knowledge is different than wisdom. In my opinion, Mm. knowledge is, you know, having just that information, but wisdom is through the experience. And so everything I talk about is really grounded and distilled because of the lived experience that I had. I can really kind of dive in step by step and piece by piece to talk about every which way that is you you can do it wrong and every which way to do it right. Because like I've gone through all of those things. And so that's what I speak from because it's my experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it it reminds me of just like the idea of someone YouTubing a bunch of jujitsu techniques and then they're like, I know jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> Until you get your hands on someone, you don't know jujitsu. Like you have to go get on the mats, feel the nerves, feel the strength of another person applying pressure onto you, and then all of a sudden you'll realize everything you thought you knew kind of goes out the window. It's like, it's until you have those lived experiences, you don't really, like you said, you, you have maybe the knowledge, but you don't have the wisdom that you've gained from it. And like, again, the same to me correlates with, with teas. It's like, I can, you can read all about these different kinds of teas until you try them, until you ingest them, until you like sit, meditate with them, work with them. You don't really know what's, how they can interact like there's there's some teas i don't know if you're familiar with a valerian root tea have you heard of that yeah yeah so it's a very like it promotes deep sleep it's a very good good um yeah good tea just for recovery but there's a percentage of people where it acts as like a caffeinated beverage and i don't know what is going on there but it will do like it's a very small percentage of people they'll drink it and they'll be amped and excited and like they'll be ready to go and it's like very interesting. You have this yeah. knowledge of valerian root is a sleep time tea. But then the wisdom is, oh, I've tried it. It actually energizes me. I can maybe drink it in the mornings, but I should not be having slamming this right before bed. So it's the action. The action is is necessary. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, that's um, the big piece is taking action from the knowledge. You know, so that's what I call like integration. Mm. You know, there's like three stages to truly, you know, if we want to talk about mastery, in my opinion, there's three stages to mastery. It's knowledge, integration or implementation and embodiment. Mm. So these are kind of the layers. So like knowledge is the surface layer. This is just kind of in getting new information into your brain. Integration is actually applying and taking those action steps to actually like try it out. So there's going to be a lot of failure. There's going to be a lot of figuring things out and just applying things and noticing, oh, this does work for me. This doesn't work for me. This is something that like a really common example that I work with athletes is like finding what type of pre-nutrition workout snacks and combinations work for them before training. Like I knew people that could eat a sandwich an hour before training and be completely fine. And other people would sit in their stomach like a rock. Mm. This is why I don't provide any type of cookie cutter plans or any specific meal planning, even though I get literally hundreds of DMS about wanting a customized meal plan. I'm like, I don't do that Mm -hmm. because I want you to go into the exploration process. You need to just try things and take inventory afterwards. How did I feel in training without attaching any type of identity to it or a thought or story, just know that, okay, when I had this banana before class, I was burping the whole time and it didn't feel comfortable. So now maybe banana isn't the best, or maybe I eat it too close to class. And like, it needs to be this constant push and pull and playing to figure out what works for you. And then through that implementation, then you get into a deeper level of settling. And that's the embodiment. Mm -hmm. It's actually becoming this new version. It's, and this is like where we really start to as you're doing the application process and the integration process, there's going to be beliefs and resistance that comes up. So as you work through that resistance and those limiting beliefs and all those things that are like, ah, man, like I'm a failure or this isn't working or I can't follow through. It's like, as you start to rewire those things and heal on a deeper level, then you start to 
kind of shift your perspective, your beliefs, and start really changing how you show up to things because you're shifting your identities and beliefs. And in that shift is the new embodiment of who you are becoming. And then that is where you get to live from. And we still get to shift our embodiments all the time as we constantly evolve. Like who I'm going to be 10 years from now is going to be different than who I am now. I'm going to be in a deeper level of embodiment in a different way. But I really believe for sustainable change to happen and for us to be masters of something we need to allow ourselves with every new thing that we get we get started with we need to allow ourselves that entire process of knowledge implementation and embodiment before moving on to something new hmm. you know i think that a lot of people either stop at one or two like they get their hands in a lot of knowledge right like i'll just like learn this and then i'll learn this and then i'll learn this and oh nothing's working okay well did you implement anything did you give yourself any time to integrate anything hmm. Right? No. Okay. So maybe you did get to the next step. Maybe you had the knowledge, you applied it for a little bit, maybe a couple weeks, and you were like, oh, this is great. And then you kind of fell back into old habits because we are pattern based beings. Um, so if you're not going to create new neural pathways and create new patterns and break old patterns, you will fall back into old patterns if you're not consciously rewiring and being really intentional and present and mindful with everything that you're doing. Um, so oftentimes people will get to the integration process, they'll try some things, but they don't stay with it long enough to what creates the sustainable behavior change, which is generally at least six months. Mm. I know they usually say it takes 21 days to make or break a habit, but true transformational change when you're in action phase actually takes six months. So action phase is essentially when you're starting something new, you need to commit to six months for this one behavior. If it's drinking tea, you need to commit to six months to really integrate it as a, what I like to call as a seamless part of your lifestyle, like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. Once it gets there, you're going to shift into a more maintenance phase. And this is where you're going to live throughout the rest of your life, where it's going to be a constant ebb and flow, but you've basically created a new foundation um, that is your new baseline because you've been with it for so long. And that's a lot of time. People do not have the attention span with Instagram nowadays and all of these influences that we're constantly being bombarded with, especially our phone of just like instant gratification, instant gratification, dopamine hit, dopamine hit. So when something takes six months, you know, it's so much easier just to be like, you know what, I'll just read another book on it. Maybe that'll give me the answer. Right. Versus like actually integrating. Like it takes a lot of patience, a lot of require, a lot of. Uh, patience. It takes a lot of just commitment. And I think what helps with that is just having a deeper intrinsic motivator, you know, really thinking long-term and and shifting your mindset of like a short-term thinking to a long-term thinking and realizing that it's every action that you take in that moment that's contributing and compounding for that long-term reward. And so that's why you need to really enjoy the moments and you have to enjoy the journey of getting to that long long term reward because it's going to take a while. And if you're not enjoying the process in the moment, well, it's going to be miserable until you get to that end point and you might not even get there because you're miserable the entire time. So you're most likely going to quit sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I was, I, I was, it reminds me of a conversation I had with a mentor uh, years ago, and he was telling me, and this was more business related, but I've applied it elsewhere where it's, he said, if, and again, he was talking business. He's like, if you're going to embark on a, on a business journey, uh, on a journey of like committing to something, he's like three years minimum. He's like, can you see yourself doing it for three years? He's like, if you could, if you ask yourself that and it's a no, 
Like, don't do it. It's a waste of your time. Yeah. He's like, if it's a yes, cool. All right, then just commit to three years. Commit to, yeah. and, and when three years, like, because six months to some people, oh, it doesn't sound too bad. Three years, it like makes you think, you're like, man, three years, that's like a, I mean, that's like a getting a degree in college. That's like, yeah. you're, you're committing to something for for a long time. You're, you're committing three years of your life. And so I've, I've taken that mindset and yeah, just expanding it. Like now I, I, I look at some things and I'm like, 10 years, 20 years, like yeah. the rest of my life. Can I legitimately see myself doing this for the rest of my life? And if it's yeah. a yes, it's like, well, then it's a heck yeah. And I, I'm all in on that. Um, if it's yeah. a no, it's like, well, then I'm, then I'm thinking about it. So that's, yeah, that's, um, that's important. It's beautiful. The, the consistency yet, yeah, I guess in those times, those, those wavering periods, what do you recommend? Like, how do you, how have you found yourself? Cause I'm sure obviously even in your Taekwondo, your jujitsu journeys, just all, all the things that you've been pursuing, I'm sure, and I'll speak for, for you, but have you had this, this self doubt? And if you have, what's helped you stay committed to this? Like besides the fact of just being like, I told myself six months, I told myself this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So of course I've had self doubt. Um, and I'd say the biggest thing that has helped me is I really only had self-doubt, I think, starting social media, because that's where you start to compare yourself. It was before I dove deeper into the inner energetic work that I do, and it was easy to compare myself. I never really compared myself to others um, growing up. I mean, I did try to fit in when I was younger and things, but like, I didn't really push it too much. Like basically if it, if I just wasn't fitting in, I'd just be like, okay, screw you guys. I'm doing my own thing. Um, but I like did try to belong. I wanted to belong a lot. Um, but I also wasn't pushing it. Like, I'd just be like, okay, well, if I'm not your cup of tea, <laughs> literally, <laughs> then I'm just going to peace out and do my own thing. And so I would just do that. And I was a loner for a lot of things because just people didn't, have the mindset that I had and what I wanted to focus on. Um, and so there's that, but when it came to the, the self doubt, what's really helped me is doing the inner healing work. Um, because it really helps me connect to myself and what I realized so long, uh, since doing this work and so much of my life was just a disconnection to myself. Like everything that I did, I achieved so many things, was just constantly rooted in like this need to prove myself. And this is like a, a fear-based motivation of like needing to prove that I can do something or prove that I'm worthy or capable of something just to kind of prove the naysayers wrong. And I wasn't really connected to like, why do I want to do this for me? You know? So I would always feel empty after achieving lots of things like things that I would work so hard for. Literally, when I put my energy into something, I go 110% always. And even if it's like something studying for a test in college, like I just go all in. And then just when I would achieve like the final outcome of what I thought I was looking for, going back to that, like that goal that we're always looking for, I was never satisfied. And so I would just always look for the next thing, look for the next thing. And it wasn't until I really did the inner work and was introduced to breath work really is what it was mm. introduced to breath work in 2019, where I started to connect back to my body. And I realized like, I know who I am 
and I just lost connection to that. And I need to start really just deepening my connection to myself and really get clear on what my inner compass is telling me and get rid of the noise of all these other people of what I should be doing or their opinions or their thoughts. And really when you do that, it eliminates doubt because you're the opposite of self doubt is self trust. So the more connected you are to yourself, the more you create safety in your body. I always say safety is the foundation for self trust. And I always use the analogy of a a house. You know, if you were to build a house, if you knew that the foundation was made from straw, and then the house was built. Well, would you feel safe? Could you trust the house? Right? You'd be constantly anxious and worried because like it's not built from a strong foundation. So, you need to create a safe, strong foundation for self-trust to exist. So, as you create safety in your body, which can only happen through coming back to the body, then you can start to build on self-trust. And as you start to connect to yourself, your inner guidance, your intuition, and, and listen to that whisper instead of the noise of other people and the chaos of your mind, it starts to really anchor and strengthen that self-trust. And in that self-trust gives you inner confidence, true authentic confidence. And then from there, it's just, for me, it's just like headlights, like blinders on. And I just know where I'm going. Mm. And like anyone can have their thoughts, anyone can have their opinions, but it doesn't sway my center. And that is something that is really a practice that I do is like constantly connecting back to my center and grounding into my sense of self. Because if you don't know who you are, it's going to be really hard to continue to do these things. Like you have to know who you are. You have to know what you like, what you don't like, what you're willing to stand for, what you're not willing to stand for. Because as that comes up in life, if you're not clear on that, you're going to be blown with the wind. So you need to have a strong sense of self and center so that when those things come up, you have a guidance system that's going to keep you on track. And another thing that I've done, just a practical tip, is like I really filter. One of the big things I had to do was filter out my Instagram as far as who I want to follow um, and what messaging I want to receive. Something I'm really intentional about, very intentional, is music. Hmm. I have a wide taste of variety in music and like it's real weird (laughs) like I mean one song is going to be like Gypsy Kings which is like a Spanish band of like eight eight guys that sing in Spanish and the next one's going to be like just like a pop song next one's going to (sighs) be just like a meditation Buddha song it's just like all over the place but I'm very intentional with the lyrics for songs that have lyrics. I listen actually to a lot of music with no lyrics because I want the energy Mm. to influence my body in a positive way, but, and the vibration of the music to influence me in a positive way. But when it comes to lyrics, I'm very intentional. I don't do anything that's degrading anything that promotes trauma in the sense of like, you know, a lot of songs out there are always about like, I don't know, like say like one of the girl songs might be, Oh, I'm good on my own. I don't need anybody. And it's like, actually, that's not a good mindset to have, right? We all need people. And I can like hear all these traumas coming through all the songs. And Mm. I'm like, I don't want to reinforce that type of mindset and that type of belief belief system, even if the song is an awesome banger, because that is messaging coming into my body, you know? And so like being conscious about that filtration system too. Um, And So Instagram or social media, you know, if I always say if people make you feel less than not on purpose, but if just looking at their content makes you immediately feel bad about yourself, 
It just means that you're in a space in your healing journey. You're not quite ready to be able to have the capacity to just see whatever it is because it's triggering you in a way that's negatively affecting your well-being. So your best bet is just filter it out. And then you can always check back in later to be like, did that trigger me the same way? Mm -hmm. You know, but the key is to actually embark on the healing journey so that there can actually be progress in that area. But it gives you a lot of insight of like, why do I feel like I have to compare myself? Why do I feel less than, right? It starts to like open those inquiries so you can come back to yourself and start asking those questions. And then that's what's going to help create that strong sense of self. So that's really um, how I navigate doing everything. I've really shifted so much of my business over the past, since 2018. Um, I was initially... I had a lot of business coaches of all different kinds and like I took their advice and applied it because I'm a big person in application. But at first in the beginning, it was very much like do what they say because they're the experts. Right. And it wasn't really vibing with my way of being and like what I liked, what, what worked best for me. Um, so I was forcing myself into a direction and a hole and a box that just wasn't, fit for me. So I just would have low motivation. It would take a lot of of me to do a task because I was like, I just don't want to do this. Like, I just literally don't want to do it. But the mindset was that, but in order to be successful, I must follow these successful people. Mm -hmm. And then I just really scrapped it like a couple years ago. And I was like, I'm literally done with this shit. (laughs) I was like, what do I like to do? I had to do a really long journaling session. Like, where are my zones of genius? What lights me up that I can wake up at 4am if I had to and do it. Mm. And like, those were the questions I was asking. And I was like, what makes me literally cringe at my core? I was like, okay, this is what I'm hiring out. This is who I'm hiring to help me with this task. This is what I'm going to commit to. Cause this is what gives me my life force. And so that's where I was starting to this. And then we would just like create how we would approach things through that. And it's just been so amazing because now I just constantly in love with what I've created, you know, and that's what really helped was kind of getting rid of all that noise being like, I'm going to follow what feels best for me. And if it's not successful, it's not successful, but I don't care. I need to like what I'm doing. It goes back to what we just said. If I'm not liking, liking this journey, if our goal is $500,000 a year, but I'm literally dreading every single task I have to do to get to that. Mm-hmm. It's literally not worth my well-being. Like, so I rather have no money and just love every single thing that I'm doing every second of the day. And that's kind of essentially a shift I made. And because my well-being, as I talk with everybody, it's like that is always my number one priority. And I really believe that when you make that your priority, everything else is going to flourish. Stunning. That's that's amazing. That's I appreciate that. And I guess a, a kind of a final coming coming up to a final question. Um, you mentioned a few things in regards to just really mastering yourself and your your self care, understanding your purpose, and like really connecting to your inner your inner self, and and yeah, and going all in on that. What are some practical tools you mentioned like? the music kind of thing, which I guess side question, have you ever heard of Sofeggio um, frequencies? No, I haven't. Okay. Maybe after the, I'll I'll, I'll share that with you. I'll share that with you. Um, So yeah. So other practical tools, like what have you found just for, if someone's like very new to this, hearing this, what have you found has like really kind of helped push you into 
understanding and feeling confident in yourself. Yeah. So, um, I mean, music helps me connect to myself. So all the practices I have are to connect to myself. Um, and so music is a big one. Um, some of my favorite on repeat, I have it in my house constantly throughout the day. It also helps remind me because of the frequencies of the music, it helps remind me to stay present and grounded, right? If I was to put on five finger death punch, which I love by the way, mm. but if I was to put them on in my house playing on repeat <laughs> from morning to sundown, I might be moving really fast throughout the day. Right. And I yeah. might just be like, ah, like my, my nervous system is feeling that. Um, so I like to use like home, a lot of like cafe type music to kind of remind me to constantly be present, constantly be grounded, constantly move slow. Um, because I contend, my tendency is to move fast because I just have a lot of energy in my system. So it's a constant reminder of that. Um, the other thing is breath work. So breath work is a huge thing for me. Um, it goes hand in hand with meditation, um, self-observation. So it's just a constant sitting with yourself and just noticing your thoughts and breathing, doing lots of different breath work practices, whether it's integrative, which is like in the moment where it could be five minutes. I do some different breath blends to set an intention for the day or in the middle of the day, depending on how I'm feeling to shift my energy at the end of the night to unwind and relax. Um, and then meditative is more of like the lying down session to really like work deeper levels of the nervous system and release stored energy. Mm. I also do a lot of energetic work, which is like internal family systems work. Um, this has been life-changing. Um, this is basically parts work. So the, the essential idea of it is that there's a whole bunch of parts of us that make us who we are. There's the, the critical part. There's the creative part. There's all these parts of us. And because of our past conditioning, there's parts of us that we've repressed and what we've shut down. And because of the messaging that we were told that like this part of you isn't good, this part mm -hmm. of you is bad. So we shut that part off of us. And what's been really helpful is learning how to be with all the parts that come up and integrate the parts that I maybe had shame around or the parts that I thought weren't lovable and integrate those parts, develop a healthy relationship with those parts, create a new story with those parts so that I could become whole because we're all whole. We're all fundamentally whole. But when life happens to us and we get just naturally exposed to these traumas in our life, we become fragmented and it's called a fragmented self where now we have all these parts that are saying a billion different things. And so wholeness and healing is really just bringing those parts back together. And so some are scarier than others to address, but doing that work, that energetic work to bring them back is what releases that stored energy and helps you come back into wholeness, which helps you have that strong sense of self and center that builds that confidence for you to move through things. Um, so that's a big one. Other things that are practical, um, I mean, just the basic also like nourishing my body as well. Like that's really big, just... I'm really big on fueling my body and, you know, I'll never skip a meal a day in my life. I, fueling my body is everything. Like I really need to make sure that I'm having the brain function, you know, that I'm feeling good, uh, that I'm hydrating, all of those things, like, because that's going to nourish my physical body and my physical cells and prevent inflammation and prevent disease from happening, prevent even brain dysfunctions and conditions from happening, you know, such as like ADHD or things like that, where there's a lot of links to diet and mental illness because of the gut dysbiosis that happens and the the gut flora that happens through stress and through nutrition so 
all of those things are something that I am aware of. And so that's a huge piece that also helps just from a physical standpoint, because sometimes it's easier to start from the physical side of things, because once you start feeling better, now it gives you like a better mindset to start doing the inner work. But if you, it's really hard to do the inner work because it's, it sucks. (laughs) Like it just sucks. Like you have to be really willing to meet dark parts of you and not everybody's willing to do that, but it can be easier when you're in a better headspace, when you're fueled, right. And you're not hangry. And when you have healthy nutrition going through your body and you're feeling better physically, it opens your mindset to be open to going deeper. So that is a huge tip that I give people is like, is to like really focus on that stuff first because it really will help kind of ease the body to open up and be more available to go deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's and just a, a last kind of quick note on that from from my perspective all of those things are like mandatory like from my perspective of like yeah getting to that self-work that that inner healing and then I would even add like start to work with like those the subtle plant teachers of of tea like tea can help enhance some of those things like and again once you're in a clear headspace what i've found is if you're toxifying your body with whatever either just being sedentary just with bad food with whatever it's very hard to hear and listen to to the plants of of tea but when you are in this in this state, like you just mentioned, you went through all, all these different practical tools and and techniques that you've just mentioned. You're all of a sudden able to to feel and listen and and hear what what's going on, and they help enhance some of these thoughts. They help enhance some of these feelings, and it's um it's really cool. So, I guess finally, just you know, Natty, the incredible incredible stuff that you're you're working on that you're doing and providing here. Um, if someone feels inspired to reach out to you to one, I guess maybe I'm assuming people can uh, learn all this face to face with you at the retreat. Correct. Yes. Okay, cool. So if people are interested in signing up for the retreat, talking with you, I guess, what kind of services do you offer? Like what kind of stuff do you, do you offer to yeah, give yourself a plug? <laughs> yeah, sure. Last thing I'll say too, um, to go back as you <laughs> mentioned the tea and, and the plants is nature. Like Mm -hmm. I immerse myself in nature every single day. Um, It really helps us connect to oneness Mm -hmm. and just like really helps us connect to something greater than ourself, which can help us get out of that small thinking. And that's really, really big. It creates that inspiration. It helps you connect to yourself. Everybody's experienced a sunrise or a sunset or a breeze or the sun that just hits right. And you feel it in your body. That's available to you in every single moment. You get to create an entire lifetime feeling that Mm. what we're used to is glimpses of that, but we don't embody that as a being. My whole goal with everything that I do is helping people embody those glimpses as their reality. Cause that gets to be your reality. It's not stress 90% of the time. And then a glimpse 10% of the time it's expand those glimpses to 90% of the time. And then you're going to experience stress here and there because you're human. But when you shift that whole way of being, I mean, life is literally beautiful. So To that saying, um, there's lots of things that we're always offering, but the biggest programs that we have are the Performance Blueprint. This is our eight-week lifestyle transformation program for female grapplers, and this is where we integrate the Wheel of Performance that I talked about in an eight-week setting. We dive deep into the specific framework that I shared with you of 
knowledge, implementation, and embodiment through those eight weeks to support them in having all the tools to create a lifestyle for themselves that's sustainable for jujitsu and their overall well-being. Um, our next cohort will be July for that one, and we are enrolling now. The other big program is the Empowered Athlete Academy. This is a passion project of mine. This is from all of the deep inner work that I do. It's an inner healing program for empowerment, and it solely uses somatics, energetics, and breath work for female grapplers who want to just go on a healing journey, whether you have a lot of big T or little T trauma, whether you just feel super insecure about yourself, whether you just deeply desire to have confidence confidence in yourself and self-trust to win more competitions, like whatever it is. Um, the cool thing is, although it's catered to jujitsu athletes, we actually don't talk about jujitsu in the program mm. unless it comes up because it's not about jujitsu. Whereas like performance blueprint, it's like there might be more focus on jujitsu as performance, but for EIA, it's about healing. And um, if you want to do the deep inner work, in my experience, it's impossible to do it on your own because part of healing is having a loving almost objective witness for you to go through a process. And we can't do that by ourselves because we're often the ones in our own way. So whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, if you're trying to do the deep inner work, you must do it with support system. There's no way you can do it on your own and really get out of your own way. So that's a program that we offer that that is in August. That's a four month container. Um, then we have lots of little ones. Like if you just want like a, a cross training program, we have our hit for BJJ. This is a huge hit that we have. Hundreds and hundreds of athletes have this program. Um, I have a confidence program, which is a self-paced program specifically designed to help you with anything you want to navigate with competition. But we specifically dive into all the training details, nutrition and mindset to prepare you for confidence and competition. We have the breathwork training center, which is a smaller 20 bucks a month. And it's just breath work audios and recordings that I've made that you can just log in, do some breath work, log out. Um, and so it's a membership site if you're interested in that. And I also have one-on-one -on -one sessions of private lessons for jujitsu as well as breath work sessions. Um, so there's literally trying to get my hands in everything to give all the spectrum for those uh, different resources to get as much level or as little level of support that you need. But also just follow me on Instagram and absolutely listen to my podcast because those are free resources. Yeah. Right. So like there's literally no excuse if finances are always something that get in your way, listening to my podcast, going on our content at body by boss LLC on Instagram or my personal page, the messages I get all the time, just from our free content that are making, helping people make massive shifts in their life. It's worth diving into because there's no excuse there. You just need to do it right. Do the work um, and not just like watch it or scroll by it. So those are the biggest things plus the retreat. And if you're interested, you can send me a message there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the integration and the embodiment. So Natty, I appreciate it. Everything that you just mentioned will be linked in the show notes. So that'll be easy for people to access, but I appreciate you. This has been super awesome. And uh, yeah, Amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so nice to kind of, share a piece of me with others and your audience. So I hope you guys loved it and I'll hopefully talk to some of you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're still listening, there's probably a good chance that you got some value out of today's episode. I am on a mission of helping 1 million people optimize their minds, bodies, and spirits with tea. And I need your help. If you can leave a five-star rating and review, this will help spread the word and show more people this show. I thank you for your help and support, and I look forward to seeing you soon.